Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show, my friends. This week, we're focusing on veterans as leaders uh, in society, and that's because it was Veterans Day not too long ago. My guest is typical of many veterans. He saw a need, established a mission, and proceeded to plan and execute on that mission after he left the military. After four wars and six deployments post 9-11 in Iraq, Afghanistan, West Africa, Jordan, Syria, Special Ops veteran Adam Hartage says he sees his current mission clear as day, defending medical freedom and providing access to honest, transparent, and ethical care for people, which is something you cannot find in America's current medical industrial complex, for sure. As CEO of Remote Health Solutions, Adam believes that the mission of his company is calling is a calling from on high from our divine Father God. Adam says his goal is to leave this country in as good a shape as it was given to him. And right now, he says, we have a lot of work to bring back America. Adam says he'll go to the mattresses for his country, for his oath to the Constitution, for the future of America, and for his children. Adding, and I quote, we are in a war for the very idea of what it means to be an American and be free. That is the hill that I will die on, close quote. Adam Welcome to the Rob Mana Show, sir. Thank you very much. Nice to see you, Colonel. Nice to see you. And those words have been spoken by many of us. Uh, you know, I've run for the U.S. Senate before, and uh, uh, and uh, doggone Joe Biden stole one of my phrases. You know that we are in the fight for the soul of the United States of America, and the soul is one founded on freedom and liberty and not the and not the tyranny that we're seeing so first of all thank you for your service man i appreciate it and i appreciate your time i know you're a busy guy but uh uh but i saw i saw a phrase as we were look, doing the research for the show that makes me ask this first question to give you a chance to talk about the company i mentioned and that is sure what do you mean by your company is the noah's ark of medicine that's a great phrase well, thank you. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. Um, I will only go into detail because we've got a little bit of time. Um, but uh, it was about a year ago on October 7th, uh, 2021. Uh, so we were well into the COVID nonsense at this point, And the, the vaccine had already been rolled out. And uh, let's call it air quotes vaccine, um, the experimental DNA modifying jab. So <clears throat> um, that night on October 7th, I saw as a major hospital system in New York, had fired uh, 1,400 uh, hospital workers for refusing the jab. And um, we had been around for almost five years at this point as a company. So we were around well before COVID. Uh, we started out as a telemedicine technology company. Um, we had access to some cool technology. It was, it was pretty neat. Uh, but then COVID happened and that changed everything. And um, but we had never really been like a direct-to-consumer uh, business. We had always been like more focused on business-to-business -business sort of contractual type stuff. And and I went to sleep that night, October 7th, 2021, and saw that all those hospital workers had been fired. And I woke up about four o'clock in the morning and I was just, I, I couldn't sleep and I couldn't I couldn't stomach what, what we had just seen. And I knew that, that this was tyranny and I, you know, I'd, spoken to the wife and I had said like, Hey, you know, there's two weeks to flatten the curve thing. This, this is not, this is not, um, this should be raising everybody's, um, you know, the hairs on, on the back of their neck. Um, I knew that this was tyranny coming, coming full throttle for America. This was nothing less than, I didn't quite understand it at the time, but, um, 
I felt like it was basically opening the door to uh, an attempt at communist, uh, evil Marxist takeover. And I am 100% convinced that that's where we are now. So so I came into the office the next day, and October 8th, and almost exactly a year ago, you know, in a month. Um, and uh, and I just, I spent probably five hours just, I, I cleared off all the whiteboards. We got a bunch of whiteboards in our office, and I was just trying to figure out what it was that I was iterating on and everything else. And finally, it just came to me, and it was, you know, I circled it in huge letters, and it was Noah's Ark for Medicine. And I turned around, I stopped, and I told all my team, I said, hey, we're, we're changing everything we're doing in this company. And, and <laughs> when you, you're the CEO of a company and, and you turn around, and you announce that to like your whole leadership team, they, uh, they tend to scratch their heads and <clears throat> there's a lot of throat clearing and, okay, has the guy lost his marbles, you know? And, <laughs> and, uh, and I said, we're gonna build nose arc for medicine. And um, I remember my controller, she looked at me, she was like, okay, boss, but what the hell does that mean? And I was like, I don't know. I honestly don't know, but what I do know is that we're gonna find a way to hire or support every single healthcare worker that is gonna get fired and has been fired for refusing the experimental jab. And wow. we're gonna build an alternate medical economy, a true medical economy 2.0. Um, something that is separate and distinct and clear clearly um away from the medical industrial complex because like you know over the last two years we've all lived through this and you can't even have a discussion about ivermectin hydroxychloroquine alternative therapeutics natural non-prescription things things which are over the counter things like vitamin d vitamin c vitamin b uh you know zinc quercetin things that we know that 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 have good efficacious outcomes. And by the way, I'm not a doctor, so this is not medical advice. I'm just right. a man. Um, I work with a lot of doctors. We've got a couple hundred of them in the network at this point. Uh, and I shouldn't say just doctors, I mean providers. So PAs, MPs, and uh, DOs and MDs. So different different uh, you know, rank structures, if you will, within the uh, provider hierarchy. Um, mm -hmm. But all of them are God-fearing, freedom-loving, Americans that, that want to help people and provide honest ethical care. And so what I realized is, oh my gosh, we have built something just by bringing, by virtue of bringing this network together, which could never have existed before, because if you would have told me two years ago to go out and, you know, put an ad out that says, Hey, if, if you're, um, you know, God fearing, um, uh, medical provider who was fired for refusing a vaccine, um, I would have said you were nuts. But um, as, you know, often happens with, um, I guess, innovation, innovation is a product of necessity. And so we saw that this was complete um, government overreach that was completely un-American. It was completely anti-constitutional. It was, it was against everything that I had have stood for for my entire life. I mean, I was, you know, just like you, I was, I was a military veteran. I, I served for 20, 20 plus years. Um, and a variety of different things. I was Air Force, and I was Army, then I was Intel community, and uh, but but service was there, and there was a lot of a lot of time in special special operations, and a lot of um, time putting my 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 very livelihood and life on the line, just like everyone else that serves. And I realized, you know, I could not I could not accept um, I could not look in the mirror. I could not be a man that I wanted to be for my for my company, for my wife, for my kids, if I did not take a stand, because I took the oath of office many times. Um, and I, I take that oath very seriously. Uh, yeah. 
a lot of our elected officials these days, very sadly, don't even understand the oath of office that they've taken. And they certainly don't understand the Constitution. They haven't read it and they don't take it seriously. I don't treat the Constitution as just a kind of a fungible document that's sort of, you know, whatever. If it works for mm -hmm. you, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Now, this yeah. is a divinely inspired, um, you know, and, and people say, okay, America is not a Christian country. Well, I disagree with you. It's we, we were founded on the freedom of religion, the concept of freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. So the, my, my whole philosophy on all this is that the Constitution was divinely inspired. The founders were uh, men of great courage uh, that sacrificed everything, that we are in a time such as that now and that those who are willing uh, to step up and have uh, eyes to see and an ear to hear will be called to do great things. And I think, honestly, at the end of the day, we win. Um, it's just going to be quite a fight. And it's already been quite a fight. But I think we win. And I think God. Yeah, it has been quite a fight. And it will continue. I probably will not see the end of that fight in my lifetime, quite I frankly. I will either, honestly. Yeah. You know, it's. I've, I've talked to my kids about this very thing, and I, I, it breaks my heart. I tell them, I'm sorry, son, I'm sorry. I mean, we're talking about a four-year-old kid and a seven-year-old mm. uh, daughter, uh, and, I, and I explained to them, you guys are going to be dealing with this stuff for for your entire life, I feel very certain, whether it's some some version of it, right? Everything's iteration, and right. new year brings new changes and whatever else, but... Yeah, but uh, you know, with the economy, what's happening with the economy directly due to bad policy uh, and uh, uh, and with uh, prices and the the uh, the intentional reduction of energy uh, supplies in, in this country. I mean, our kids and grandkids they don't know it yet because they're really at the beginning of this uh, tidal wave of uh, bad news. Uh, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. You know, I, I was a young kid in the in the late 70s, early 80s under the Carter uh, thing. And uh, we lived with that uh, all the way into the second uh, administration of the Reagan administration. Uh, yeah. You know, my first house had had a 18 percent interest rate on it on a VA loan uh, as Crazy. a young kid. You know, we're going to get back there. You know, it's yeah, it's it's it's. Um, it, it, it really is a strange situation to be in. Um, and it is. I would highly recommend your audience study their history. Because if you don't understand your history, you won't understand where we are, what we're living through right now, where it's going to go from here. And it's not it's yeah. not a guaranteed roadmap, but it certainly is. It provides, um, you know, indicators of, of, you know, where this is all headed. And, it's and it certainly cool. helps make better decisions, you know. Yeah, uh, it does. The, the phrase, uh, those who who don't learn from history are condemned to repeat it is not a, yeah. uh, that's not just a phrase, you know, yeah. that somebody said it's, it's, uh, uh, it's a, it's a comment based on experience and it's usually experience that's been, it's cost people in lives and blood and, uh, millions and billions hard of treasure work. and hard work and yeah. resources. Uh, so, so do you think that, uh, how was the, first of all, how, how was the, your response to your company? Uh, uh, amongst the medical professionals that were fired? Um, I, I would say that much like you can see right now with uh, the um, Biden economy versus the Trump economy, mm -hmm. the, the differences are very, very clear, like very stark yeah. contrasts. Um, I mean, it's kind of undeniable. So uh, there are people that love us and there are people that hate us. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, especially the people that hate us are like big tech, big pharma, yeah. 
mainstream media. I used to be on, you know, regularly mainstream media featured and everything else. And now, you know, they don't want to touch me because I mean, I'm, I'm toxic to, to what they're pushing. And if you think about it, when uh, 95% of the advertising revenue that a, a mainstream news channel receives come from comes from big pharma, mm-hmm. uh, then I mean, that's who pays the paycheck. And, you know, let's just be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm the CEO of a company. Um, it's I pay the paychecks and, you know, my policies are the ones that that go within our company. So just the same way, if you've got, you know, a, a major pharma organization who has been fined billions of dollars for lying, for malfeasance, for criminal negligence, criminal, willful yeah. criminal conduct, I mean, on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're going to fight hard um, mm-hmm. to maintain the narrative that they the way that they want it, and that's that's the world that we live in. That's the reality. So, you know, I, I don't I don't whine about it. I don't try and fight it. I mean, it just it's going to run its course. And my my whole philosophy on everything is that the good ideas ultimately at the end of the day win um, and 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 rise to the top. It's much like you know, you can have something boiling uh, and you can try and keep all those air bubbles down, but they're going to find a way and they're going to get out. And so yeah. we're trying to just come up with um, just great ideas and great opportunities for people to um, hold on to one of the pillars of life, which is most important. That is honest, ethical access to, or I'm sorry, access to honest and ethical medical treatment. Um mm-hmm which is what we provide. So I'll say um, the, the people that love us, love us beyond anything, the people that hate us, uh, you know, think that we're, you know, uh, deserving of the, uh, the scarlet letter, so to speak. <laughs> All because, you know, what's funny though, uh, I will say one plug for our company and what we're doing just with regard to COVID. Um, we've seen thousands of COVID patients. People come to us because they're like, hey, you guys are the ivermectin guys or the hydroxychloroquine folks. And we say, well, we do more than that, but okay, whatever. So let's, let's, let's go with that. And, and most of them just want to have an honest conversation. You know, what, what is this? Do I really have to be scared of it? Do I, you know, what are my options? Do I, is can I get treatment other than, uh, you know, remdesivir or um, Paxlovid or the shot or any of that other stuff. And we explained very clearly on our end, we said, listen, we, we promote solutions that don't make us any money. So for example, hydroxychloroquine, and ivermectin are both um, very efficacious drugs for these. They, uh, ivermectin is on the World Health Organization's number two list of essential medications globally. It's known for its anti-cancer, anti-parasitic, and anti-viral properties. Mm-hmm. It's um, It's been around for 50 years almost. Uh, the inventor got the Nobel Peace Prize. So I don't want to make this about ivermectin, but the point is the reason why Merck, who in, invented and actually patented um, ivermectin the reason why they don't support it anymore is because they're it's not patentable it's generic and they can't make any money on it. <laughs> so right. if you like it's very simple if you just follow the money in all things you mm. will come to you will come to an honest accurate conclusion and that's that's really where we are with this whole thing so so we looked at this we said okay well let's just charge a flat rate you know it's 99 bucks to talk to one of our docs yeah. um, and now we've got a program where it's 99 bucks a month membership wise, and it's unlimited. You can talk to a doctor as many times as you need in a month for 99 bucks a month. You remember, you get access to our thing, you get discounts on a bunch of stuff, you get pharmacy discounts, you get access to labs and um, imaging and all kinds of good stuff. But 
The point right. started with this very simple concept of, okay, if I charge a patient $100 a month and I tell that patient, you can come see us as many times as you need to. Mm -hmm. I get hurt financially as a company if that patient has to come back over and over and over again because I don't get any more money from it. Right. Conversely, if you go to a hospital, that hospital makes more money every for everything that you need. So a hospital does what we call sick treatment and we do what we call well treatment. So our whole point is to keep you out of the hospital, away from our service, happy and healthy and functioning at the tip top. Because yeah. I'm, I'm just, my business model is basically the same as Gold's Gym, right? You know, I, I want members who don't show up, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, we love we love the January crowd that comes in for a couple of weeks and, you know, they whatever else. And then they just pay their bill for the rest of the year and they don't need us. Mm -hmm. but that's the ideal. So that's perfect. Said, oh, that's, that's a little bit cynical. And I said, well, it's, I'm never going to charge you more for the service. Whereas a hospital gets financially incentivized when you pop positive on a test and you go on mm -hmm. and then you get intubated in the ICU and ultimately you die. I mean, it's just and you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, so, yeah, the whole system, you know, when you ask about Noah's Ark for Medicine and Medical Economy 2.0 and everything else, the bottom line is that the system is flipped on its head and we see a gap, a need, and we uh, do everything that we can to fill that for people that are seeking honest, ethical answers. And that's very important, uh, Adam, because, you know, the credibility of our medical uh, profession and the public health institutions is completely in the toilet. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a member of a, of a uh, group called the Stop Vaccine Passports Organization. And uh, uh, we, we stemmed out, got created out of the Committee on Present Danger China and uh, uh, Women's Rights Without Frontiers organizations. And, and you know, we, we follow this very closely. As a matter of fact, uh, my wife and I, we, we ended up getting vaccinated. And, uh, uh, and I regret it because of what the detail we learned afterwards. You know, my son is 18. I won't let him get vaccinated. But we got COVID finally last August, man. I'll tell you this quick story. Uh, sure. Then we'll move on to another topic. Uh, and But before that, one of the members of the Stop Vax Passports uh, Task Force had, had given me the name of a doctor I could call. And, and you know what? I think he's part of your network. I won't mention any names, uh, but I'm pretty sure he is. As you were talking, I'm like, you know what? I, that's where I got my HCQ and iver, ivermectin from. <laughs> but I had I had was able to get enough for three people for a two week course of treatment just in case, you mm -hmm. know. And uh, we went to a family reunion up in Tennessee, and and, and uh, about half of us got COVID uh, back in August. And sure enough, all three of us came down with it. And I just started treating us right away uh, with it. And, uh, I have asthma. So I went to, uh, my, uh, my, uh, uh, nurse practitioner, uh, that I see here locally, uh, after a couple of days, cause I was getting a cough and I was concerned about it. And she gave me a, uh, a couple of good things, uh, Z packs and, and those kind of things and, mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of stuff. But it was the ivermectin and HCQ, uh, really that did the trick. And, it, and my son's disappeared in 24 hours. Uh, my wife's was gone in three days, uh, and I had a little bit of a lingering cough uh, uh, after a week, but everything else was gone. And yeah. it was because we had done that instead of, uh, I go to the VA here uh, for my primary care. If I had gone there and asked for that, wouldn't have got that. 
Matter, no fact, I, matter of fact, the BA guys told me they would have just sent me home. When yeah, I asked that, that, that's that's entirely right. It's I'm also yeah. a VA guy here in, in Virginia, and uh, I mean it's awful, but it's you know it's funny because they they make you take the um, you know when you're in the military they make you take like suicide prevention and all the other stuff, and I, I always think to myself, man, when I go to the VA, I feel like killing myself when I come out of there. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, and I now we're laughing about that, but that's yeah. that's, no, that's it's, actually it's, not it's, a that's not a uh, no, uh, it's uh, it's not it's but not a the, joke really. It is a symptom <laughs> of the system. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, this is, I mean, you know, like it or not, this is a fact of the matter. It's, you know, and, and frankly, you know, veterans who are especially the, uh, the grumpy ones uh, like me, you know, we, we get it. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's interesting because I can claim um, that of the thousands of COVID patients that we have seen and treated, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not making medical claims right. from a legal standpoint. I can state very confidently that of the thousands of patients that we have seen, not a single one to the best of my knowledge has ever gone to the ICU as a result of our treatment. And I don't believe we have lost anyone and I don't believe anyone has ever been admitted to a hospital. So, uh, and we're talking about thousands of COVID patients, whether it's, you know, grandfathers and grandmothers to yeah. uh, young children. And uh, I would, I would say that our track record uh, can stand up against anyone else's track record out there and i know for example that a hospital cannot say the same thing that we can say and it's all down to you know where's the money we don't make any money off of the stuff that we that that, that we support whether it's vitamins you can get vitamins over the counter um yeah. you know we call in a prescription to and again not a doctor but our doctors do and they call in a prescription for something like that we don't make a dollar off it mm. but what we do is we sleep very well at night and we feel very good about ourselves because we were honest and ethical and provided the best, most efficacious care possible to people that need it. And it's funny because mm -hmm. we live in this world where, you know, people say, oh, my body, my choice, this and that, except for if it's an experimental vaccine, then yeah. you must take it or you're fired. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, Wait, what is that? Where's, yeah. where's my body, my yeah. choice? Uh, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a nice segue into my next uh, yeah, subject area away. I wanted to that's ask good. you about, uh, Adam, and, uh, and that is uh, uh, I want to get your thoughts on, uh, uh, on some things that uh, we, we have a lot in common. Like you said, uh, we both served in uh, EOD wasn't special ops when I was in it uh, technically, but I think now the Air Force calls it that. And, uh, uh, but, uh, and, and I've been uh, a senior executive in the intelligence world on the military side. Uh, I've, uh, uh, you know, uh, I've been in command of places where we train special operators uh, uniquely. Uh, so we both have a lot of experience with national security. And I just wanted to get your take, uh, take on what's going on with uh, the Department of Defense. Uh, let's start with the vaccine mandate. That's a good place to start since we're talking about your, your, uh, your company. Yeah, it's, I'll, I'll tell you um, where we stand on this. And I've, I've talked to a lot of, you know, former um, members of DOD. I've talked to a lot of colleagues, a lot of friends. Um, my personal philosophy on this is um, it's a little bit dark. And, and, and I don't want to make enemies on your show, but I will say that... Um, 
there's no good reason on planet earth why the army should allow you to as a new recruit these days to join the army if you have aids but not if you are unjabbed with an experimental gene dna modifying nanotechnology i can i can think of no positive reason that that would be the case the what it really frankly makes me think of so it makes me think of uniform code of military justice it makes me think of the oath of office it makes me think of um law of armed conflict LOAC. it makes me think of all the things that i know and that i learned over 20 years uh, and the sad conclusion to me is that the people that would um stand up and resist what is clearly uh, unconstitutional illegal unethical and moral behavior on in, with regard to the way that the military is treating its its men and women in uniform mm-hmm. i don't see how this is anything but nefarious and and let me also clarify too um the the people that i hold most at fault are the civilian unelected appointed bureaucrats the faceless deep state bureaucrats that are in charge of the services and i'm not talking about your active duty you know uh enlisted and officers that are trying to do the right thing and trying to figure out how to navigate a complex world they are in a very tough spot um i do hold your four stars accountable for not being willing to stand up and throw the flag and say this is this is nonsense yeah especially especially today you know uh look i can i can understand having been a senior commander uh and and a a mid-level commander in the military uh, and gone to combat i can understand initially going hey we need to get this because this doesn't look good. The data is not looking good right now. We need to protect mm-hmm. our older members. And the best way sure. to do that is to protect, you know, to protect everybody. It uh, doesn't look like it's got any severe side effects. That's what was initially was being, uh, was, was being put out. Uh, of course, we didn't know. Already. They really weren't right. testing it. Yeah, exactly. They didn't, they didn't know <laughs> until so, recently. Pfizer didn't admit that they didn't test it for, trans, for prevention exactly. of transmission. Oh my exactly. God. So, so you can, yeah. you can talk about like preservation of force. Um, and, yeah. um, like that's, that's really where we should be focused on is so the entire, the entire mission set of the U S military is to fight and win wars. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's and it's it. with that's a cohort of, of men and women from the age of average 18 mm-hmm. to 40, yep, exactly. uh, uh, which is right in the heart of where we now know the most devastating, uh, mm-hmm. uh, adverse reactions to the vaccine is myocarditis in men, to point, especially. To the point where the state of Florida uh, has come out and basically, I don't know if ban is the right word, but they've, mm-hmm. they've strongly advised against eight and, uh, especially military age males, 18 to, you know, 40 or 35 or whatever it is, right. um, from taking the shot. And so, you know, but, but the whole the whole thing is so nonsensical. It's um, we're talking about a disease factor that 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 kills less than 0.01 percent of the people that's affected by it. It doesn't really impact children at all, and yet at the same time, you have the FDA advisory panel that comes out in a 15 to zero vote in favor of mandating 
the jab for kids, for five-year-olds, for, for my son and my daughter? No, no way. No. And you're going to tell me that now you're going to add this to the vaccine schedule and that you're going to add mRNA technology to all flu vaccines and future jabs. Meanwhile, you know that it's killing people. I mean, the VAERS database alone, for your, for your audience that's out there, they need to be doing their own research and they need to go to the VAERS database, which is the CDC's own uh, database, which is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. It's very Googleable. Just look it up. Go to openvares.com, openvaers.com, and you will see that more than 30,000 people, as reported by CDC's own numbers, have been killed in America by the jab. Say that this, number one more time. 30,000 people. That's more incredible. Than. That's incredible. And you know how many uh, uh, were killed back in the 70s when they were doing the, um, I'm going to actually get my facts wrong here. So I, I, I mean, it was, it was, you know, on, it was, it was in a number of dozens with regard to, um, and I'm blanking on which vaccine it was, smallpox, I believe, um, in the 70s. And they canceled the whole thing mm-hmm. based on a couple of dozen deaths. Now you're talking about 30,000 in America alone. Plus, I, I mean, they're also... VAERS database is underreported by potentially up to 90, 99%. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that kind of makes our point, though. You know, if you're, if you're talking about protection of the force, and I, and I do hold the officers uh, accountable, every officer mm-hmm. in the chain of command that is, that is continuing the force of this and doesn't have the moral courage to stand up to Secretary Austin and General Milley and say, no, mm-hmm. we're not doing it anymore. The data is showing we're hurting our people. Uh, should yeah. be held accountable, every single one, because of that simple fact right there. Uh, yeah. And then the second piece is, uh, look, you were trained just like I was, and I, and I know a lot of military people agree with me on this, is, is that we don't follow unlawful orders. Uh, yeah. And the, the order that Austin issued in writing said that you can't be forced to take a EUA vaccine. It has to be approved by the FDA, and there's not been any vaccine given by the U.S. Armed Forces that I'm aware of today that's a non-EUA vaccine. The Comirnaty vaccine is the only exactly. one FDA approved. So that makes that order unlawful. And then the third thing issue I have with the thing is, is the, uh, you know, there, there are medical and religious exemption pathways for military members. We don't give up our constitutional rights to the First Amendment. Uh, and there are thousands, tens of thousands of military men and women that have submitted for a for a uh, religious exemption uh, because this vaccine was developed using aborted fetal tissue. And I under, now we know that. I didn't know that when I took the vaccine originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I support them in their efforts. But you know what? I think the Secretary of Defense, and, I, and we have pretty good information in, in one of the court cases that the Secretary of the Air Force issued a blanket order to the generals that said no one gets a religious exemption. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, illegal because the uh, Congress passed a law not too long ago, uh, you know, the Religious Protection, Religious Freedom Protection Act to protect people in the military and gives a process that's supposed to be followed. Uh, and they're just pay, it, it, at best paying at lip service. At worst, they've just decided they're going to deny them all. And they're kicking people out over it and ruining careers. And even cadets, I had four Coast Guard cadets of the seven that were unceremoniously told within 24 hours, get off of my campus and don't come back. You're out uh, because they had religious exemption requests in. Uh, it's, so it's not well, and, and you, you hit nuts. the nail on the head with regard to the EUA because so you're talking about, so they've mandated 
this vaccine, right? Mm -hmm. The only vaccine that you can actually mandate is one that is actually FDA approved. And Pfizer and the FDA, as you're well aware, pulled this neat little trick where the FDA approved Comirnaty. And then Pfizer came out and said, that's great. Comirnaty is not available, nor will it ever be available uh, as a vaccine. So instead, we're going to use the EUA authorized version of the vaccine, and we're going to mandate that. And yeah. people just blindly went along with it, and most of them didn't even know. Uh, it's it's actually it's terribly sad and it's horrible. Um, I will say that I am the only person in my family uh, who is not jabbed. So um, now that doesn't. I mean, my wife and my kids are not, but. But I'm talking about my broader family, so my, mm -hmm. you know, my yeah. my sister, and, uh, brother type thing, my father and mother type thing. Um, every single one of the elderly um, people in our family have been in the hospital for serious, um, serious issues post booster, post jab. So, um, and then what's also ironic about the whole thing is that every single one of them have also come to me for ivermectin when they get COVID. And it's ironic that, you know, you're talking about people that are triple jabbed and boosted, um, you know, who have ended up in the hospital for a range of things um, yeah. in very, very serious conditions. And at the end of the day, they still get COVID and then they get COVID rebound and they come to, to us and they say, well, what can we do? And it's, it's there's no other word than heartbreaking. Um, and I will tell you, um, you know, as someone who who understands that this is uh, a level of evil that has never been seen in the world uh, mm -hmm. to a global scale like this, uh, we're going to be dealing with this for the rest of our lives, certainly. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate, uh, but it also provides the backdrop for the next thing I wanted to get your thoughts on, because uh, I have my own opinions uh, on our intelligence system and our intelligence agencies. I've been writing about the politicization of it uh, since uh, January 2017, when we first learned about the crazy Russia uh, uh, intelligence capabilities assessment that Obama signed off on that said that Trump was a Russian asset, basically. Uh, so, so, but, but, but what we're seeing today though, is, uh, the evolution of that, where the intelligence agencies were, were politicized and weaponized against a political opponent to now, it certainly appears like the FBI, especially, uh, is being used to attack and incarcerate American citizens. Yes. for speaking out in opposite political opposition to those that are in power. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, this is, this is probably um, the most serious issue that you and I have discussed yet. Um, and I will say, um, and I've spoken out against the FBI on multiple occasions uh, with mm -hmm. regard to their most recent behavior, uh, whether it's, you know, un unlawfully imprisoning, uh, January 6th detainees for walking through a building that they paid for with their taxpayer dollars because yeah. the people in DC have forgotten that they're not leaders, they're representatives. And that America is not, that's exactly right. And America is not a democracy. Democracy yeah. is two wolves and a sheep discussing what's for dinner. America is a constitutional republic. 
And, you know, people say, oh, that's now right wing extremist terms, say constitutional republic. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like, what? Well, that's factually what we are. And I factually support the Constitution. So if that makes me a right wing extremist, okay, um, fine. You throw your labels at me, call me, do whatever you want. It's fine. That's because um, that's that's what we get called all the time for anybody that stands up for freedom. And I will say that the um, the the line officers in the FBI, um, those those mid level and those lower senior management um, agents, it is incumbent upon them to actually to stop to check themselves to understand the law. I mean, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a doctor, yet I understand the entire concept of. Madison versus Marbury in 1803, where the Supreme Court uh, did rule, in fact, that, this, that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and that mm -hmm. anything that's repugnant to the Constitution is by itself, by virtue, an unlawful order. So for any of the bureau agents that are out there just kind of blindly going along, just going along to get along, and I know how government works. I was, I was, I was one of them, right? You were one of them. You know yep. how it is. It's just easier to kind of just you know, turn, turn a blind eye and, you know, Hey man, we're just trying to do our job. We're trying to take, you know, take bad guys off the street, keep mom pop safe for freedom out yep. of pie. But that's just a, that's just a, it's a platitude uh, to make themselves feel okay. Uh, I would say my plea to the FBI is um, do the right thing. Once you know what the right thing is and do something take the, take the courage um take the time to summon the courage to do the right thing because they're not doing the right thing right now whether it's the january 60s the um endless like harassment i mean you're talking about like the jailed steve bannon and you know I, I i can have some bureau agent being like oh you know that was not the fbi we didn't do that the only thing we do is investigations and we, we make recommendations it was the doj and it was the capitol police and it was this stop sure stop yeah the buck literally just stop passing the buck to somebody else well it's so. like the fbi swat teams uh tactical teams showing up mm -hmm. at at, yeah. at uh at, at protesters that have been protesting against abortion uh mm -hmm. houses with a tactical team uh, yeah. uh where you have seven children i mean the first one i saw was where they showed up, there's seven children at the top of the stairs, and these guys show up with 27 Suburbans full of guys with M16s and MP4s and all yeah. kinds of things. Uh, it, it's it's the guy did a protest. Okay, if he broke the law, have him come in. Matter of fact, that particular man's lawyers called him two months earlier and said, "Hey, we don't agree with it, but if there's a problem with the uh, with what he did with the law, he's willing. He's ha very happy to come on in. Uh, yeah, I'll bring him in." Uh, and they refuse to do it because the FBI has become a political tool. And it's it, very sad. Very it sad. It has. I, I mean, frankly, Christopher Ray is responsible for it. I mean, it goes from the top down. It's, you know, yeah. it's, I'm the CEO of my company. Christopher Ray is the CEO of his company. Um, his company has to be, happens to be, you know, the ones with the guns and the badges. And I have yeah. certainly, as an intelligence operative uh, operating on U.S. soil, I've, I've rolled up on multiple homes in the U.S., um with american citizens and the fbi always takes the lead and you know there's a knock and explanation of who we are and why we're there and everything else uh and i'll tell you that when i was in the service and when i was engaged in those kind of operations um there was still a level of respect for american citizenry and and, and 
and, and the rule of law and, and due process and everything else. Now it's just completely gone out the window. And it's amazing how fast that happened because I only left six years ago. And now what I see is just endless tyranny and no conviction on the part. Of, I, I, I can't wait for the day that some bureau agent or from some CIA operative or whatever stands up and makes a public spectacle about how far astray they've gone and that they are going to fight to to take to to right the ship i mean because without that yeah. I mean, they are not a friend of the american citizenry whom they serve they absolutely aren't and uh quite frankly they're being used to attack uh the american citizenry uh just for exercising their constitutional rights you mentioned the january 6 people uh you know and uh, nobody's gonna be able to say that i wasn't opposed to what happened on january 6th at the capitol uh i'll just say it again right here i wanted the debate and the objections to happen it was the first time a senator was sponsoring a, a house member's objections from these swing states uh mm -hmm. and that debate was going to happen the vice president just said in a recent op-ed that he had agreed with that and wanted a full and open debate. So uh, nobody that I know wanted that process to be disrupted. So I'm a little bit pissed at the people that did disrupt it, especially the violent, the violent ones, the lawbreakers uh, that did that with violence for sure. Uh, but I want every person to have their constitutional rights respected uh, and that's not happening. Uh, with those people. I mean, people are being sent to prison for years for something called parading uh, no or obstructing process. a meeting that wasn't even happening at the time. You know, it's funny because it's even codified in the U.S. Constitution. Again, I'm going to bring up the Constitution. The Constitution is, I would, I would tell your listeners, the Constitution is something they need to know and understand. And not just the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, what those documents mean, what the Federalist Papers are all about, what the patriotic founding of this country was actually built upon because if they don't understand that they will never know how to defend themselves accurately when i say defend i don't mean defend with a gun and everything else i'm talking about defend with this thing because yeah. right now we are in what we would call an incipient or a latent phase of warfare where everything is based on ideology information war and ultimately the um the 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 power apparatus that is whether it's you know the dod the cdc the fda i mean on and on nih mm -hmm. fbi blah, 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 blah. i mean name the three letter agency i mean yeah. we were both government service i mean just it's it's it is um almost impossible to comprehend how big and powerful of a juggernaut the u.s government is um it is but and so so they have an army of lawyers they have a limitless budget and it's your money that they will just throw at you and to destroy you uh once they've decided that you are uh, worth destroying and and it, it it doesn't matter to them because the the gs 10s are going to become gs 11s and they're going to move on to the next post and gs 11s are going to become gs 12s mm -hmm. and move on to the next so they're going to say okay well you know we're, we're just going to ride out this we're, we're just going to bleed this person dry of everything that they have until they finally throw up their hands and they say uncle and they don't resist and that that is the tactic of any any tyrannical regime of which the u.s sadly is going through a time and a period and i hope it's a very short-lived time but we are there now uh, where you have people american citizens that are detained without due process again a violation of their constitutional rights because every american 
has the right to due process and a speedy trial. They have the right to the presumption of innocence before they're um, declared guilty. And you've got these people that, that have been languishing in prison for two years and, and no one is speaking out for them. Um, and no one is, is fighting for them. I, I, I'm, I'm terrified for the future of our country and, and whether or not there is an America left. I know that I've had discussions at the highest levels um, in the conservative movement and uh, in the patriotic movement. And I will say that, that the overall prevailing thought process is that uh, one of three things. It's either um, we've got to come back to God as a country, which I, I believe. I, I believe that one. We have to come back yeah. to God and take it in God's hands. And when when we get our house in order, God will heal our lands, so to speak, um, heal our wounds, heal our, our society. Um, I'm, I subscribe to that one. Then you've got the other one, which is like, oh, the military's in control. And we're a bunch of crazy Q and on conspiracy theorists that, you know, well, I don't subscribe to that at all because I actually was a product of the military and I, I have very senior counterparts in DOD. I'm sure you do as well still. And there's absolutely zero chance that the military or Trump or whatever else is involved or knowledgeable about anything to come and playing 5D chess, blah, blah, blah. So just stop. And they shouldn't and then, be. They shouldn't be involved in politics at all. And they're too involved at, at this point. Exactly. Under the I current agree. administration. Yeah, the military is like mission, fight and win wars. Yeah. That's it. What they should be worried about is, for, so for example, with the vaccine and everything else, we get, we get so wrapped up in all the different nuances of argument and everything else but it's like let's just take let's just take a very simple concept of good order and discipline does does mandating an experimental jab that 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 um that overrides people's personal convictions religious convictions uh, everything else does that does that help the good order and discipline of affairs and the readiness of our military personnel or does that hinder it so these are the kind of basic, basic, basic questions that we need to ask ourselves. Like we've gotten so far away that you can't ask these questions. I mean, it's it's uh, you know even in the medical community. Oh my gosh, you know you got I, I still see doctors all the time who won't see patients because they're unjabbed or whatever else. I know they wear they wear a cloth mask. It's like some weird virtue signaling mask that doesn't do anything to. First off, even if you're wearing a, an N95 for your listeners. N95 was never designed for viruses. It was designed for dust. It says right on the package. It, it's, it's not. It literally, it says right on the package, this has no medical purpose. Yeah. And people are like, oh, I'm still going to buy it. I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to double mask because Anthony Fauci told me to. And if I attack him, I'm going to attack in science. You know, it's, it's funny because Fauci was against the mask before he was for it. So he's yeah. just a politician, just like anybody else. Um, but he's a very rich exactly. politician now that he has been compensated, not just for patenting the SARS-CoV-2 virus in 2015, then also patenting the vaccine, uh, I think it was in 2017 or 18, mm -hmm. uh, with Moderna, NIAID. Yeah. People can look that up. I highly recommend they follow David Martin. Uh, I have never met David Martin, Dr. David Martin. Uh, I don't get any money for saying that. I just think the guy is well-researched and right and uh, my whole purpose here is to give people ex excuse me access to information that they couldn't get otherwise and to honest you're not getting nothing out of this you're not paying me your audience ain't gonna pay me you know it's I'm just you and me both i get nothing out of this so. <laughs> like 
You know, it's funny because I go, I speak every month on these uh, on the General Flynn and Clay Clark Re Reawaken America tour, and so we go to a different state, different city every month, and uh, and and it's a great two day event, uh, and it costs me I don't know a couple of grand every single month. Yeah, and I'm not paid, you know, to go there, and people will say, oh, you know. They're just making money off of everybody else's. <laughs> there are 70 something speakers and nobody gets paid. Not a single one gets wow. a dollar of compensation for being there. In fact, they lose about a hundred grand every month just to host these events. Mm -hmm. But the, the point is like, I, I very much consider myself, um, you know, of the same level of conviction that the founding fathers had, where they pledged their lives, their, their fortunes and their sacred honor. And that's where we are lives fortunes and sacred honor and that's exactly where we are to be here yeah but that's where that's, we are well we just had an election uh and uh you know under, under the backdrop of americans uh, being attacked by our own government quite frankly our rights are being attacked and uh, and we're living through this period of tyranny which is uh, it's still unbelievable for me. I mean, the speech that Biden gave, I call it the red speech. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. oh. Uh, that I know, he gave. Was that uh, first or something? Uh, I, I remember I, I, I was yeah. blown away. I yeah, like, it's, it's, I'm still, I still don't believe that he did. <laughs> I, mean, I, I have to go I, back and look at it and read it. I am Hitler in training. Yeah. I was like, what, yeah. what are you so doing? So under that backdrop, and it looks like the Republicans are going to take control of at least the House, uh, and they've got a shot at taking control of the Senate. I mean, what do you see as the future uh, in the near term uh, for uh, continue for increasing our defense of the republic and their and her citizens? Whew, that's not a small question. Um, by the Congress. Yeah. Well, by, by the Congress. You know, I think it really all depends about leadership within the Congress. So if if um, if the I my personal philosophy and I shouldn't say philosophy, my personal thinking on this is if uh, they put Kevin McCarthy back in the seat, let's say the Republicans take over officially take over as, as the majority in the House uh, and they they put McCarthy back in the seat. Really, it's going to be like a Paul Ryan 2.0. Not much is going to happen. Um, Kevin McCarthy is kind of milk toast in my in my mind. Um, he is. He's. He's, he's bendable, he's fungible, he's, which on the one hand, you could say that's a positive quality. On the other hand, I would say not in this day and age. I mean, you need to have, you need to have strongly convicted people, which if we just had lawmakers, because let's not forget the legislative body is the lawmaking body of the United States. So that means the House of Representatives and the Senate, which combine make up the Congress, right? So representatives of the people, they are the ones, the only ones in the U.S., which are authorized by law to actually establish law. So I would say that our lawmakers should be the ones most well-versed in the constitutional founding principles that our country was built on. Unfortunately, I am finding that, that they're anything but. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I think we got a good decade to go at least or so before we can where we can evict the rot, so to speak. Um, I mean, I, I would love to say that everything's going to be great and we should all get our popcorn out and life's going to be terrific. But, you know, and I'm already tired that almost three years into this thing, I'm tired. Um, mm -hmm. But that's, 
suck it up buttercup as i would say to my kids you know and as as the military would say to me i don't care if you're tired i don't care if you're hurt i don't care if you're shot get up keep going you got well, that's you right got in your lungs and that's that's where we are so we're at that level of conviction are are you and i man enough to to put our lives and our fortunes and our sacred honor on the line i am i think uh um, and and it, it literally just, I cry a lot these days because uh, I have seen the death of um, of part of my country. Um, yeah. And I never expected that I would. I mean, you and I, we went away for, what, 20, 30 years and, and tried to go, uh, you know, serve mom, freedom, and apple pie, and God, and country, and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, Look at, looking towards the outside, thinking and everything now you was being back. taken care of at home. Right. Exactly. And now you come back, you're like, whoa, now wait, the enemy is not just at the gates, the enemy is in the gates. The and, and I think that's why it's incumbent upon it's incumbent upon veterans that that the ones that took took their oath seriously to the Constitution of the United States as it is written and amended, uh, and, and the values that are in the Declaration of Independence that underpin it. Uh, I mean it, it's incumbent upon us veterans to continue to defend the Constitution of the United States, you know. Uh, you know, what, one of the things that I hate is, uh, uh, is things like when the Supreme Court makes a decision like they did in Dobbs, where they rightly put the decision about abortion back to the state level, uh, according to the Constitution, because the federal government has no power to make, to make laws about that. Very uh, simple. Uh, it's not it's very frustrating when I see, yeah. And, and then you see people like Lindsey Graham do a stupid thing and try to make a federal law yeah. Uh, that, that, you know, outlaws, uh, abortion at the federal level, which is contrary to the constitution. Follow the damn constitution is, is where veterans should be standing up and saying, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm a thousand percent pro-life so much. So I'm against the death penalty now. My wife and I both are, uh, uh, but, uh, but you know what, at the state level, that's where that decision needs to be made. And if you're living in a state where you think you can get that done, well, go for it. I live in a state where we got it done. Uh, I'm in Mississippi, where the Dobbs uh, uh, case came from. Uh, so, you know, uh, but that's where it ought to be done. The power that is best is the one that's closest to the people. And I just can't stand people, uh, especially legislators, that don't follow the Constitution of the United States because they're breaking their oath. When they I don't do think that, they don't fundamentally you? understand it. I really don't. I mean, at this point, come on. Lindsey Graham's an attorney. He's an oh Air Force gosh. lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> he know that's he fundamentally good. understands it. But but that's just an example. I don't want to go off on. Yeah. Maybe uh, it's just uh, good politics. That. Who knows, right? Well, so. I think he thought it was good politics, or maybe he was work really working for the other side. We find that out in the exit polls that abortion was an important issue for the Democrat voters, uh, yeah. and they and it energized them to get out a little bit more than they might otherwise would have. Yeah. So maybe he was doing that to to help them. Who knows? With Lindsey Graham, but but the issue that but now now if, now that we have a Republican Congress though, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the Leviathan that's the United States government that is really I'm just going to say it, Adam. The United States government, the unelected portion of it, is completely out of control. That includes the executive branch and the staffs in the legislative branch and the judicial branch too. We must include them, especially with the leak about the Dobbs decision. Uh, uh, those 
functions are not elected and they're supposed to be controlled by the elected people over them, the president and the executive branch, the appointee, appointed judges and the Supreme Court and then the, the legislators that we elect in the House of Representatives and the Senate. What, can, what should we tell them to do? Because they need to hear from us as to how to get that function under control because they're not servants of the people anymore. They're servants of their own power. It's obvious when those functions are being used against everyday American citizens. And it's only a matter of time before it's used against citizens in the other political party that I'm not part of. Yeah. And, and that's that's exactly right. It's kind of like, um, you know, it's, it's like the filibuster. You know, every every I don't know ten years or something this creeps up, and whatever party is in control wants desperately to get rid of the filibuster, right? Because they've got some yeah. some pet project yeah. issue that's who knows what it is: cleaner water, better skies, whatever. I don't yeah. care, like greener, whatever. Doesn't matter. There's a pet project issue that a party gets behind, and then they all want to destroy the filibuster for those who are in the majority. Because well, right. if we just get rid of the filibuster, then we get our our pet project through and everything's fine, but there's such myopathy and they're not focused on the long-term consequence and the long-term thinking of, well, wait a second, what about the day when I'm in the minority and now that filibuster power is taken yeah. and, and, and we can't stop total tyranny or lockdowns or mandates, or, I mean, we've already seen it and we don't, we still even have the filibuster. So I would say that, um, it really comes down to the people, honestly. Um, this this may be a big lift. I mean, it's a huge lift. Um, but to get the American public to actually educate themselves, uh, I have to say that I'm very unimpressed overall by the average um, knowledge level of the American citizen. Uh, although, ironically, I think that is actually becoming more so uh, like a higher level of knowledge than even your politicians, which are elected. I mean, if you look at, you know, not to get go down this rabbit hole, but if you look at, like, for example, Phil or Pennsylvania, they just elected Fetterman, a man that literally can't string an entire sentence together to to form a coherent thought. And and by the way, I'm not I'm not bagging on uh, Senator Fetterman elect. Uh, what I'm saying is, you have someone who is fundamentally incapable of coherent thought by evidence of a recent stroke and, mm -hmm. and the inability yeah. to string together a sentence. This this is a problem. They the Democrat Party also elected a dead guy. Uh yeah. In Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. There you go. So um gosh, we got some serious serious uh road to hoe ahead of us, but I would say that the first things are probably election reform and then frankly education reform. And you, you cracked over the door earlier when we were talking about, um, uh, you know, if it's not in the Constitution, then it's basically it goes back to the states, and that that goes for such things as um, Department of Education. Yep. Um, if it's not enumerated in the Constitution, it has no place in federal law. So that's right. Energy, anything that's not, that's right. Yeah. There you go. And I mean, we could go on and on all day. And, mm. um, yeah. uh, but if it's not enumerated in the constitution and it goes back to the States and if, uh, and if it doesn't, if it's not outlined for States rights, then it goes back to the individual. 
which is the entire basis of the concept of freedom. I've tried to explain this to so many people on both sides of the aisle because you'll get like the crazies that come out on the left and the crazies that come out on the right. And they both are screaming and freaking out about the same thing. You know, that's mm. some, some version of freedom. Yeah. What they all fail to realize is that um, you live in a country and in a society which allows you to voice those opinions without repercussion, which means by inherent value, you are free. So why don't you embrace that? It's kind of like Brittany Griner, who just got sent to a penal colony in, uh, in I don't know, Siberia or wherever in Russia. But I yeah. mean, she was very upset about before about you know the oppressionist uh, uh, ideology and everything else that is America, and she felt like uh, the national anthem was a violence uh, visited upon her. And so I'm very, I'm thrilled for Brittany that now in her penal colony stay where she's going, she won't have to hear the horribly uh racist and um and 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 just awful um you know rhetoric of the national anthem and, and yeah. she won't have to hear about freedom anymore so that's right because those things no longer apply that's, well, man, that's our contrast between where we are <laughs> and where we can go. that's that's a good that's a good way to put it so uh we're coming to the end of our time and uh, uh i wanted to ask you this question uh because I, i'm going to be honest i'm going to if trump runs for president in 24 i've already decided i'm gonna he, he deserves another shot i'm going to support him in the primary uh I, i've been very open about that and public about it uh and i didn't support him the first time he ran in the primary uh he wasn't he he wasn't that kind of guy but he ran on the same policies and won on them that i have run for the u.s senate on uh and then he tried to implement them and uh, so i think he deserves another shot he's been poorly treated by the country but do you think he's electable i think he's electable uh if two conditions let's say uh, so first off i'm gonna a very big Trump supporter. Um, I, I, when he was the president of the United States, I still, by the way, think he is um, the rightly elected president of the United States. Let's so you can call me an election denier or whatever you want. I just, I know what I've seen and I know what I know, but that's a conversation for a whole another time. Yeah. I would say there's two conditions. If Trump wants to be electable, one, he needs to come out very, very clearly and explain that he was lied to with regard to mm -hmm. the app, that he made the best decision he could with the information he had at the time and that if he had it to do all over again he would absolutely not have locked down the us and and would have gotten people back to work right away but he was trying to do right and and we i mean if we remember back to two and a half years ago we, we frankly all i think thought that it still naively that that the powers that be that the government had our best interest at heart were fighting on our behalf and we're really taking these steps because they really did believe it. Um, yes. So, okay. So that's number one. Number two is I would say that, uh, Trump has to like, just, just recently, just last night, actually, uh, you know, there's already the talk of DeSantis throwing his hat in the rain about this and that. And I, I don't, I don't think governor DeSantis would do that because he just got reelected to Florida and he's got a great thing in Florida and everything else. But, but Trump unnecessarily came out and said, well, you know, if, if DeSantis does this, he's going to hurt himself very badly. And I'm going to say all kinds of nasty stuff about him that only I know. And I know him better than probably even his wife does. I'm like, what? don't do not do that. That's such an unnecessary, yeah. unforced error. If I could just get um, freedom-loving people to stop committing unforced errors, 
that would be great. <laughs> so unfortunately, I think politics is a crappy, a crappy, messy, dishonorable business. You know, it doesn't have to be though. I don't think. No, think, it doesn't. Think, it doesn't have to be. Uh, yeah. But you just got to go into it knowing that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know it's I think. Uh, Maybe I'm naive, and I, I should have been alive 250 years ago when when they were trying to figure out what this this new colony, this new country, this new thing was going to be. You know, when Thomas Jefferson walked up and he said, "I got this thing. It's this document. We should all sign it. It'd be totally, and uh, you know, totally hip." And then everybody yeah. starts drinking, and then uh, they're sitting around. They say, "Wait a second. We're going to give guns to everybody. This country's going to be lit. Let's do it." You know, <laughs> and. <that's, laughs> yeah. That's over a beer tab in uh, yeah. in Boston or Philly or wherever it was. The American. There's still a lot of those conversations that happen in this country, even today. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and you know what? They're okay. There are people, millions of people love this country the way it was founded, and they defend those values and everything. Uh, we may not have political power, uh, mm-hmm. but we are here, and we, and we are ready to defend them with everything we have, and we do. Uh, yeah, and, I agree. Uh, we do so, and well, I'm, I'm happy to argue all day long with anybody on any of these principles yeah. because I I feel so strongly about them, and that is the great thing that makes America is, is the ability to have a difference of opinion and to listen to somebody who says something that you hate so much. And the key and is they, be willing to protect that person who who says things that you completely hate. Yeah, that's so, that's the American way. Let us hope that we that the American way still prevails, and that you and I are just kind of still a little bit myopic, and we're we're not seeing the big picture. I, I hope that's the case. I would love I do too. More for that to be the case. I do I too. Well, Adam, Adam, civil discourse and dialogue to come back. That's what absolutely, I absolutely. That's that's what I hope. Uh, and uh, and I think there are, as always, there are better days ahead for the country, and hopefully this this period of tyrants uh, remains relatively short, and we can get through it. Uh, with everybody putting their shoulder to the wheel, and I mean every citizen, uh, every citizen. we will. We will. Okay. Well, thanks, Adam. I appreciate you coming on. Tell Clay Clark, uh, still appreciate his Reawaken America tour. I appreciate you talking at those. I haven't been able to get to one yet because it hasn't been close by, uh, but I will because I'm excited by by that messaging that, that is going out, and, and it's the right one. It's the right one. You guys are doing the right thing, uh, and I appreciate your company. Uh, personally and uh, and professionally on what y'all are doing. Well, thank you, sir. God bless, and uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. We appreciate it. And I've had uh, Adam's uh, uh, Getter account up the whole time here at Adam Hardage uh, is where he's at on social media, folks. And uh, you know what? America is still alive right here in the hearts of its veterans and their children and their families. But in a lot of families, uh, America is still alive and uh, we will defend it. We will continue to defend it. We will fight for it. And the most important way to defend it, like Adam said, is with this right up here. Know your constitution, know your declaration of independence and why they were the way they were. That is what saves America. Until next week, I'm Rob Manus.